Here's the situation. You're tied up in a control room of an abandoned warehouse with a bomb set to go off in 30 seconds. After working your way free, you have to scrounge up enough junk to defuse the bomb. Will you make it? If you're MacGyver, then you most certainly will. If you're MacGruber, then you'll most likely flop, just like our 90-second movie. You boys ready to pound some cunt? KFBR 392. KFBR 392. KFBR 392. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. folks and thanks for joining us for the 92nd episode of hops and box office flops prevented by revenge of the fans.com i mayor mccheese will be hosting tonight for our second installment of hops and saturday night flops which is the aforementioned 2010s mcgruber joining my hopefully surviving dream team tonight as always are the thunderous wizard aka tut beamer i uh might go for the turkey tonight gold turkey also joining us is Captain Cash, a.k.a. Vernon Freedom. MacGruber, this podcast is going to end in 20 seconds. We can only hope. And Chumpzilla, a.k.a. Tanker Lutz. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> uh, as a reminder, Hops and Box Office Flops is the Internet's premier pod dedicated to poorly reviewed and or financially unsuccessful films. You can find the show on all social medias at Hops and B.O. Flops. When I'm not polishing my Mazda Miata, you can find me at HBOF McCheese. Thunderous Wizard, where can the listener find you when you aren't stealing the nuclear launch codes? Oh, look at me. I'm a Gruber. And you can find me at WriterTLK on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Captain Cash, where can you be found when you're not recording awful love ballads in the privacy of your own home? I can be found at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And Chumpzilla, where can uh, you be located when you're not pulling off the infamous celery distraction trick? <laughs> well, when I don't have celery stuffed up my ass, you can find me on Twitter at Chumzilla8. So that's like what? Every other Wednesday? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, first Tuesday of every month. Don't Fair forget, enough. it has to be the fat end, because if you use the skinny end, it just falls out. Yeah. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, but trust me, I've done some experimenting. Yeah, just to make sure. We ha- I mean, you need to have a flared base. That's important, kids. Yes. And you need to try it to make sure it works. You don't just want to believe the movies. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to tonight's beer. I think we're this... going to need some of it. Did um, we just turn into Mythbusters, but for butt stuff? And just for Chumpzilla. Fair I'm, enough. I'm all. I don't think I'm going to be taking the dive into the celery distraction. Butt busters. <laughs> it's definitely butt busters. Um, for tonight, we'll be indulging in Masthead Brewing Co.'s worst-case scenario double IPA. Uh, Masthead is located in my lovely Cleveland, Ohio, where we haven't seen the sun since September. So I am sure that I will be the only one partaking in this. I don't think any of you guys can actually get it. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania and could not find it. Our laws are weird here around beer, though. So, And I, I mean, I think this is when I... Yeah, when I get to a little bit of the description, I think this is definitely like a you only get it in Cleveland and nowhere else. But I'm going to crack one now. Um, 
I figured the name of this beer fits nicely considering McGruber is always putting himself in the worst case scenario. Uh, tail the tape for the beer, not the movie. Uh, it comes in at a 9% ABV, so I think it's Captain Cash approved. Mwah. And as I said earlier, it's only either served in a pint, a 16-ouncer, four-pack, or if you're local, you can get it in a growler. And then take a sip here. It's not bad. I mean, whew, that's got a bite. That's got an aggressive bite. It's good. I don't think I'm going to want to go through more than the four just because it just like the last couple IPAs we've done. This is kind of like chewing a plant, just not enough uh, ABV to really kick it past your teeth. Anyways, I'm going to keep going through it. What are you uh, what are you boys drinking tonight? I'm drinking IPA number 15, number 15, number five from Collective Arts Brewing. It's as close to Canada, Canada, the country to the north of America that I can get. So. Peers, you've already had I, uh, <laughs> I definitely, it's definitely an eight percenter, and apparently only comes in tall boys in a four pack. And I've had two before I joined us, so we. So that's that's what's going to motivate you through McGruber. Mm-hmm. How about you, uh, Jumpzilla? Well, I'm just kicking back and having a Molson. Good. A Molson Golden, to be more precise, another lovely Canadian beer, and one of McGruber's favorites, apparently. That's what I was looking for. Someone someone getting the Molson, because not only does the Groobs have him in his cooler, so does Kilmer. Yep. And uh, Von Kunt, excuse me. Dieter. Uh, I'm also drinking Molson, because after I kill you and look at myself self in a mirror killing you, I'm going to watch some TV and hopefully something good is on. <laughs> Ooh, I love disaster movies. Uh, all right, let's move on to the tale of tape of the movie, not the beer. As mentioned previously, MacGruber was released in 2010 and is based on the reoccurring SNL skit of the same name. Uh, the skit and the movie were written and directed by Jorma Takone. Am I saying that right? Does anyone know? I'm going to assume that's right. Uh, Jorma, some may recall, is one of the members of the Lonely Island Gang, which is him, Andy Samberg, and Akiva Schaefer, another tough one, uh, so he has some decent comedic chops, at least when it comes to writing. And I do have to say, and I'd like to get your opinion, it appears he does a decent job directing this one since it was his first feature film. I mean, that's a, a, as a first movie, I don't think I had a problem with the direction at all. No, I mean, it looks good. I mean, it looks slick. And I can't, you know, we'll get to what the movie is here in a hot second, but... On watching through, it's not like you look at it and be like, well, this you know, the director had no control or the studio, blah, 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 like we've done in the past. Yeah, if you look at this, say, compared to Blues Brothers 2000, for example, on a budget of $10 million, this movie looks good. It's The direction seems fine. The editing seems fine. Like, it's, it's a movie. It's definitely a movie. It's more of a movie than some of the other stuff we've looked at, you know, uh, on this pod. Oh, I agree. There's a very clear through line. There's... You know, there's a, a beginning, a middle, an end. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it's works. a complete film. <laughs> it, yeah, it works. It's competent. It is a yes. competent film. Agreed. That's the word I was looking for. If if you were unfamiliar with the Saturday Night Live skit, you would just assume this is a satire of MacGyver, which is what the skit is. But this is a real movie. Like, we're going to do Wayne's World 2 in a couple weeks. And yes, that's a real movie, but it's more a collection of different skits with Wayne and Garth, all with the same central narrative. This felt like a movie. As stupid as it is, and it is very stupid, but it's also very funny. Yeah, if you didn't know what this was going into it, 
you know, Thunderous Wizard, like you said, it's clearly a MacGyver ripoff. That's on the surface, that's obvious. But then in this movie, you also get spoofs of several other action movies. So I mean, it borders on parody uh, several times. But it's yeah. not a, it's not a yeah. parody movie though. But it definitely it winks at the camera pretty hard in several uh, scenes. But the entire character is riffing on the absurdity of the one man army trope. Yes. Oh yeah, we'll get into it in the plot where Piper describes MacGruber. It's just nonsense. They're throwing in every accolade you could ever have as a war hero. So. Before we get there, let's let's keep churning through the tale of tape. Um, also writing this are Will Forte and his longtime writing partner, uh, John Solomon. I don't really know much about him. Um, the reported budget for this film was $10 million with a worldwide gross coming in short at 9.3. So obviously this was a financial flop at the box office because I mean, we actually don't even know what they spent on promoting it. Um, but it lost money in just the straight line take. And the movie wasn't well received. Uh, IMDb has it as a 5.5. Rotten Tomato has it a 48%. And the audience score is even lower at 35%. And Metacritic has it as a 43. And I'm going to extrapolate a little bit more when we get to our one-liners on these scores, because I have a general comment that's going to run through this whole theme. Uh, but first, let's run through the cast. All right, uh, this film is not short on enjoyable star power. We have Will Forte as MacGruber. We have Val Kilmer. Yes. And Thunderous Wizard, I want you to chime in with a yes. Yes. Thank you. As his sworn em enemy, Dieter Von Kunth, Powers Booth as <laughs> Colonel Faith. Stop it. Powers Booth as Colonel Faith, MacGruber's commander. Ryan Felipe as Piper, MacGruber's partner after a terrible mishap. More on that in a minute. Uh, Kristen Wiig, obviously, as Vicky St. Elmo, MacGruber's other partner. Uh, Maya Rudolph as uh, Gruber's deceased ex-wife. I don't actually know if I have her name down. It's um, Casey. Is it? Yeah, okay, yeah, thank Casey. you. It's Casey, sorry. And we also get a short appearance by the following pro wrestlers. Cue the Thunder Swithers heavy breathing. Chris Jericho, Mark Henry, Anthony Burke Jr., who is MVP. MVP. Dalip Singh, who is the great Kali. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, who is Kane. And Paul Wright, who is the big show. Kane is also a uh, mayor in the United States currently in Tennessee. So, yeah. Welcome back to the pod, the big show. Yeah, All those dudes... All those, I mean, we'll get to it in the plot, but all those dudes are great in this movie. Could they not get Kevin Nash? Well, uh, they clearly went with all WWE current superstars. So. Uh, well, when was uh, when was the Punisher released? What year was that? 2004. 2004. Oh, I was about to say, maybe he was yeah. tied up with Thomas Jane. Aren't we um, all? No. <laughs> On we some all... level or another, we're all tied <laughs> up. We can all only hope. PJ, I love you, buddy. We all love you, buddy. Um, One-liners. IMDb describes this movie as such. Former special op MacGruber is called back into action to take down his arch enemy, Dieter Von Kunth, who is in possession of a nuclear warhead and bent on destroying Washington, D.C. Can't get much more straightforward than that. Uh, let's kick it to Chumpzilla. What is your one-liner? MacGruber is what you get when you cross a MacGyver spoof with an R-rated version of Austin Powers. Yeah, do that. That fits. Thunderous Wizard. Uh, since I mean, I figured most would would revolve around it being a parody of that sort of stuff. I'm just gonna say, 
Yes, this movie is ridiculously stupid, featuring a jack-of-all-trades that actually sucks at everything, but it also has a flashback sequence with Val Kilmer in a wig playing acoustic guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It does have that. That that, Uh, that does happen. Captain Cash? This movie is a cringe comedy that asks the question, what if MacGruber was, or what if MacGyver was actually as useful as he would be in real life but everyone still acted like he was as useful as he was in the TV show. So you're just playing out MacGyver in the real world and not on cinema? Yep. So what if what if it was MacGyver in real life, but so everyone kind of, pretended he was just as good as he was on the show? So yep. as much as nope. you don't, as so much as you've already said you don't like it, you're kind of saying that it parodies the real world. Eh, I mean, no, I don't know that I'm saying that. No, I, I think what you're leaving out there, Captain Cash, it should be like this is, you know, what MacGyver would be like in the real world if everyone still perceived him as being a TV character and rip throats. Rip throats, Threat for rips. sure. I can tell you this. MacGyver may come across as being unrealistic, but Richard Dean Anderson would put you in a body bag, my friend, with a gumball, a stick of beef jerky, a handkerchief, a paper clip, and a shoelace. But I mean, Are after he's done like... choking me with the beef jerky, what does he do with the rest of it? And we know what the handkerchief's for. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Wait, are we allowed to still like him? Has he done anything that is going to force us to disown him? Like, I don't even want to look. Not that I know of. So I, he's I'm not cool. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, he's not. He's not the... Oh God, he's not Hercules. Kevin Sorbo, Dean Cain, James Woods. Like, we can still like him, right? Yeah, I think we're cool. Yeah, I, don't, I think we're cool. I don't think still. there's anything wrong there. MacGyver's still cool. Cool, yeah. cool. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, so I'm going to steal. Mine's not really a one sentence, but I'm going to read someone else's review that I read online because I think it kind of lays the groundwork. And it's the quote is either you're hanging your head in shameful embarrassment, cough, cough, Captain Cash, cough, cough, or you're mm-hmm. laughing your ass off everybody else. And when I mentioned the ratings earlier, this is what I was referring to. You, you it, Just like Santa's sleigh, you have to know what kind of movie you're getting into when you're going in to watch it, because this movie is essentially an hour and a half of dick and fart jokes. And I, with the childish nature, is I'm 100% here for that. Uh, if that's not your taste, you're going to spend that whole time groaning and probably having pain beers, which we'll get from Captain Cash later. Um, I will say, though, that my opinion of this movie, and, or, the movie knows what it is, and it goes for it 100%. And half the audience loves it, and half the audience hate it because it's not their cup of tea. So that's kind of how I'm doing my one-liner. No, I think it's fair to say with a movie like this, your mileage will vary. Um, if your sense of humor falls more towards the South Park side of the scale, this is right in your wheelhouse. Yep. If you can't stand just a constant barrage of profanity and you know, dick jokes, then you're going to be like, oh, okay, this is, this is a little sophomore, but I, I don't even know that it's that. I think it's more, it's the cringe comedy. It's M- MacGruber as a character is so wholly unlikable. And that is a big part of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into it, but I mean, this movie does have some dark elements to it which i think is probably what really hurt it from being like a straight up classic like an adam sandler movie for example Mm. because it is better than it should be uh as a as a film and as a comedy but yeah i think there are some weird turns they take and it it gets a little dark and some of the 
some of that uh, shittiness out of the MacGruber character, I think that probably turns off, you know, your casual comedy audience. Mm. But yeah, we'll get we'll talk about that after the plot. Yeah, and well, I mean, some of that we're going to talk about it within the plot, so don't feel uh, don't feel like you can't jump in because some of the points happen throughout the movie, and I even have some questions built in around them. But let's let's dive right in. So our movie opens up with bad guy Val Kilmer, who is looking pretty good in this movie, I must say. I mean, Kilmer looks great. Fuck uh, yeah. Yeah, he is with his uh, crew of bad guys stealing a nuclear warhead. And, you know, pretty much from there on out that the rest of the movie is going to be him and MacGruber battling it out because that's the title. And now you got your bad guy. I, um, I do want to say this movie opens like a straightforward action flick. They're not jokes. It's just. Oh, no, it's it opens like a aggressive Marvel movie where they're killing the entire convoy to steal some sort of evidence yeah, or document MacGuffin. or whatever. Yeah. 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 This felt like a cross between Iron Man and an episode of 24. There are mm-hmm. there are better action scenes in MacGruber than there are in actual action movies we've done on this podcast. Yes. I would also I would also agree with that. From there, uh, we cut to the Colonel and Piper traveling to a remote village to recruit the best to track down a stolen warhead. And FYI, I am doing air quotes anytime I say the words the best. Uh, Of course, the best is MacGruber, and he's hiding out as a monk, I think. He's dressed as a monk. There's something in there about him being dead, either presumed or on purpose. I'm not sure, but I also really don't give this plot my full attention because, again, as Captain Cash says, not that kind of movie. Uh, after not much talking, basically dropping Kunt's name in a dream sequence of Kunt blowing up MacGruber's first wife, my Rudolph, at their wedding, MacGruber is back in action and away we go. I will say, I spent the entire film wondering who Piper was and thinking, man, that looks like just like a B version of Channing Tatum. You don't like Ryan Felipe? I mean, what, like... I kind of broadly remember the way of the gun, and wasn't he engaged to Sarah Michelle Gellert? Wait, no. No, he, 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 was mar- he, was he was married, married to Reese Witherspoon. To Reese Witherspoon. Come on, dude. Ryan Philippe was a heartthrob. I know what you did last summer. Cruel intentions. Wasn't Other stuff. Uh, are you trying yes, to tell me that Sarah Michelle Gellert and Cronenberg Reese Witherspoon movie? are two different people? Because I feel like you're just lying to me right now. He was in one of the two crashes we talk about on this pod all the time. I think he was in the shitty one. Yeah, he's in the Ryan Felipe one. Yeah, not the one with James Spader. And hey, let's just say it now. Welcome back to the pod, Maya Rudolph. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good to see you again. She's what was lovely. She in? What was uh, the last movie? Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Yep. Uh, that's right. Uh, okay. After Wherein in? She could get it. Oh, Lord. She can always get it. Um, she got it, MacGruber. Yeah. It, oh, ghost sex. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the love scenes when they come up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I want I want to hedge this off right now because FYI, she was seven months pregnant when they filmed that scene. So Hot. Have fun, thunderous wizard. Thinking about that. <laughs> well, that certainly explains some of the camera angles now. So okay. Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, after an obligatory costume change and a haircut, self-indulged haircut, MacGruber is off to assemble his dream team. And this is after MacGruber insults Piper numerous times, headbutts him, and basically tells him to pound salt. Uh, or all the dream, or yeah, well, no, we're going to do a lot of cunt pounding later. All of the dream team members are WWF wrestlers, and we get a nice little montage of MacGruber finding and recruiting them. 
the only joke in here I'm not quite sure how I want to receive is the big uh, the big show being gay. Uh, it feels pretty it's unnecessary. It's a homophobic joke. It doesn't need to f- like it's a deliberately homophobic joke. It's... Yeah, but, but but I I like I give the big show props for going for it 100% and I think the the homophobia circles back to SNL, but if you yeah. hadn't watched those skits, you wouldn't have understood it. It's more Which I, I did not and I yeah. and I was like Whoa! It's, this thing came out ten years ago. This that shit wasn't cool. It's an indictment of the character. You're not supposed yes. to like MacGruber. The whole time you're you're realizing he's full of shit, and he's not actually good at anything, and he's actually pretty functionally useless. Well, yeah, I and mean, that's the whole we'll go, point. Like he's just a jerk off. As we'll go through the plot notes, there's a lot of points where you realize that MacGruber's a big bag of shit, and and I don't. There's something about this portion where like I. I have a lot of respect for the big show for, you know, 100% going for it, considering he's supposed to be a big old wrestler that has his big macho ego, and he launches 100% into that skit. But it feels unnecessary and definitely doesn't age well. Even for 10 years, it doesn't age well. Yeah, no, I mean, you're completely right. And I think that the issue I have with it is, like you say, I wasn't prepared for this guy is supposed to completely suck. I just yeah. thought he was supposed to be a shitty version of MacGyver, it, not yeah. just he's a shitty human who yeah, is also just, a shitty version of MacGyver. And some of that could have been cleared up if you watched a little, even three or four of the reoccurring SNL skits where you realized he was just a bag of shit. But there's more on that later. Uh, yeah. The only member of MacGruber's team that he can't recruit is Vicky St. Elmo, who is still carrying weight from Maya Rudolph's death. Uh, with MacGruber's team packed into a van with a ton of homemade explosive, a terrible accident happens, no surprise, and MacGruber kills his whole fucking team, which, again, is all his own fault. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, crying, like, call 911, oh, help! I do, I do like him wandering around the blown-up van going, where are you guys? <laughs> yeah, again, that's a scene they could have played for laughs, but instead, yeah, Will Forte decides to play that straight. And, you know, kind of scream and wail and, and plead, and it's a little sad. It's not funny. Well, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be funny on the absurdity that he did it to himself because he packed yeah. a van with a bunch of shitty explosives because he's a dumbass. Uh, no, yes. it's funny, and it comes back later, and it's super funny when Val Kilmer's part of it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, that, that is one of a handful of jokes that... Like, this movie's got about six to seven jokes that are actually full-on funny. For 90 minutes, that's a lot to sit through for me, but there are a handful of jokes that really do land. Listen, motherfucker, you made us sit through the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I don't want to hear about 90 Minutes of MacGruber. Hey, that did you not enjoy Kiera Knightley eating her own hair? I, I no. feel like... Not at all. I hated that movie. She only did it once. <laughs> she did... She'd have done it for 90 minutes, then maybe you'd have been there for it, I guess. <clears throat> now, with no team, MacGruber has a nervous breakdown and begs Piper, in the most awkward way possible, to be his partner. Would we like a dramatic reading of that scene? I think, just for Captain Cash's sake, we would like a dramatic reading of that Before scene. Before we do that, did they deliberately choose the name Piper to sound as though it would be a female character? Because when I hear that... I, I immediately feel like it's supposed to be Kristen Wiig, and it's not. I mean, well, now I don't know who's how showing his biases? 
I don't know how they got these names, considering that some of the wrestlers' names were Tut Beeman, Vernon Freedom, and Tanker Lutz. I my take on that, Captain Cash, is that yeah, they did show. Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> they did choose a somewhat effeminate name for him as as a way to emasculate the character. Like that was that was the joke. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, he, he spends a lot of the movie essentially ball busting Piper for absolutely no reason. Yeah. So yeah. it would make sense that you name him something less than Vernon Freedom. Yeah. yeah. But I, I will say Piper is the most competent character in the entire film. Oh, no. He's the only reason to get anything done. I mean, and again, yeah. that's Mac the joke. Gruber yeah. and Vicky St. Elmo are absolute morons. Well, Vicky's just really, really impressionable. Like She just doesn't question Gruber's methods. <laughs> But, but perhaps she, she, she should but, have but you can tell she has concerns. She's like, uh, I'm going to go through with this, but I, I, I have questions. She's not 100% certain that his ideas are good, but she goes along with them. Maybe at the end we can get you to sing her song, which is something about four being uh -huh. the right number. <laughs> but anyways, let's get our, let's get our Captain Cash-approved dramatic reaction of the uh -huh. scene. Go! Okay, don't make me beg here, but I will do it. I'm so sorry. I'm so goddamn sorry. I'm freaking out here. I killed them. I killed them all. I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know what I'm doing, and everybody hates me. Look, I will suck your dick. I will suck your fucking dick. I will do it. Just join my team. I'll suck your dick. You can fuck me, or get fucked by me. You can watch me fuck something. Just point to something in the room, and I'll fuck it for you. Come on, just tell me what you want me to fuck. I don't have any lubricant. Do you see any whiteout or copy toner? That should work. Yeah, now I'm beginning to realize we should have went with Conan's. Uh, we talk about that later. We should have definitely gone with Conan's. At least it would have redeemed Dan Aykroyd on a, on a basic level. And we get Chris Farley. What if... Sometimes I feel... I mean, we come from France. I don't know. <laughs> after after going through the dramatic recreation of that scene, I don't know if just explaining this as a ninety minute dick and fart joke really, I mean, really drives the point home of what the movie actually is. Because well, like, hold on, hold on, listener, this scene that Jumpzilla just gave us happens twice. Yeah, twice it, in the movie. For a guy that wrote off the big show for being in love and, and, and homosexual, he seems a little conflicted in his own sexuality. Just saying. Almost Curtis certainly. Wizard, you're our captain here. Is there a way to asterisk this pod with an NC-17? I'm going to have to put it in the warning. If you haven't seen MacGruber, you don't know what's coming. And I, I mean, I, we might have to splice in at the beginning before our intro that, like, hey, if you're not comfortable with a ton of cursing, this is not the pot. Skip this pot. Yeah. It's not just the cursing. It's they're playing MacGruber for the worst possible character. And they do that in in his incompetence, but also in explicitly sexual terms. And it's, man, it's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, we've talked about all the F-bombs in The Big Lebowski, and, and that movie is high up on the list of 
F-bomb most f-bombs ever and yeah. and that that doesn't even rate on the cringe factor yeah right. i mean if you're, if you're well if you're comparing cringe factor this movie is at a hundred and the lebowski's you're coming at like 50 just because they say fuck a lot not that they're making a ton of off-putting sexual jokes right i guess the point i'm trying to make is that the big lebowski doesn't feel nearly as vulgar as this movie yes agreed like, the the fucks they drop in that movie are kind of casual conversation. It's how guys talk. It's just, you know, it's just kind of rough language. This movie is just more obscene with it. Yeah. So I yeah, don't but... think you get as many F-bombs, but they definitely use them for maximum, like, filth. But again, this circles back to my one-sentence non-description explanation. The movie is, it, it is geared towards being dick and fart jokes and mostly for, you know, 16 to 21 year olds and that's it like you're not really going outside that category it's what it, it knows what it is and the weird thing is this is in a period of time when the r-rated comedy was a thing so it should have it should have had an audience there but it obviously didn't find it its audience window is less than a 10-year span of people yeah, well, I'm just saying this is post the hangover. This is this is yeah. in the R-rated comedy renaissance period. This, if this was going to find an audience, this is about the time it would have hit. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep churning through the plot because there's a lot more uncomfortable shit to talk about. Uh, oh, all right. Fuck. So after our uncomfortable uh, Chumpzilla scene, Piper's on board, and Vicky St. Elmo shows back up to make the new team. So Mac and his team go to try to suss out Kunth at his Vegas club and give us maybe my favorite running gag of the entire movie which is when they run into the kfbr 392 car who yells at mcgruber as he pulls up and then drives away and mcgruber memorizes his license plate comes up later i love it it is dark and that, <laughs> uh, that wow. made no sense to me I, I i don't i did not get that joke well, like, I, I mean, I, I get the the layout of it, but I'm like, what is going on here? What are they doing with this? It's one of those unnecessary side bullshit jokes you get when you have a bunch of funny writers in a room who are just like, oh, what if we did this? And apparently, if this isn't included in my trivia, but I'm sure you guys read it. That book that uh, Ryan Felipe goes through, uh, Will Forte made that, the KFBR 392 book. He made that and then used it in the movie. Oh, I have no doubt of that. Yeah, I mean, like, this is right up those dudes' alley. I mean, they knew what sort of movie they were making. Um, I, I guess. So, okay, the uh, the Vegas uh, club strategy is a terrible idea as it makes Kunth aware that MacGruber is alive and after him. Uh, knowing that he has shown his hand, MacGruber dresses Vicky up as himself the next day and sends her out as bait. This backfires as the bad guys locate MacGruber and Piper in their van and try to kill them. Uh, MacGruber and Piper survive the attack and kill Hoss Bender, another great name, Kunt's henchman, uh, from the opening scene. And after the failed attempt, Matt MacGruber finally catches a break and determines where the nuclear codes are going to uh, be traded. So going off that information, MacGruber dresses Vicky up as Hoss Bender, the bad guy we just mentioned, and Piper up as himself, because apparently MacGruber can't do anything himself, in order to infiltrate the uh, nuclear code rendezvous. Uh, this is where we get one of the two celery in the butt distraction scenes. And groan. Even... <laughs> it, it is groan worthy. This is where uh, Captain Cash was probably like, "Come the fuck on." Um, I like literally he shoves celery up his butt and walks around naked. He does and the I, tuck as well. Yeah, and it's just 
like it's it would be distracting if you were a henchman and saw some dude with celery in his butt walking around like a chicken you'd be like what the fuck before i don't know if i'd shoot him straight out because i was so scared or i'd be like what the fuck i'd probably be in the camp of what the fuck is happening right now yeah i mean it it's certainly an effective distraction but it, it it's one of those continuing things that happens throughout this film where it happens twice it, yeah, dude, come on. No, 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 not, again, not the gag. It's the thing that happens throughout the film where they're deliberately going out of their way to show how awful and incompetent MacGruber is. True. And it's, but it like, works. it's, con- yeah, it, it, but it worked, and it's confusing because you're like, what, what are they trying to do here? <laughs> That's sort of what happens when you take a three-and-a-half to five-minute thing and go, I think we can stretch an hour and a half out of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's called the SNL paradox. And the, I mean, even still, the actual skits on SNL were not three and a half to five minutes. They were less than a minute each because they all had a time frame of 30 seconds. They had three per episode, but they were 30 second mini skits. Yeah. So, so you're taking a 30 to 45 second mini skit and trying to turn it into a 90 minute dick and fart joke, which works but you got to know what you're getting into mm. anyways even with some skill and luck on their side the crew manages to bungle this encounter because mcgruber is essentially the worst and instead of using a gun tries to make some sort of tennis ball grenade yeah whatever um their blunder hands cunt the passcodes and his money back congrats mcgruber that is also some of the worst cgi in any movie we've ever done the explosion the the the, the dud explosion of that little tennis ball bomb it looks like something they did straight out of like Photoshop. It just like no, disappears didn't. and turns to a poof of smoke. Like that's I didn't even, clearly I didn't even notice. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> like it's it's just cheap. It's just a cheap effect. I'm like they couldn't just gotten a crappy smoke bomb and blown up a practical thing. They had to try to CGI that. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it was cheap. They spent some money on the actual explosions, so why spend money on the cheesy uh, yeah, unnecessary yeah. explosions? I, uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, on to the next location. Kunth is having a party, and MacGruber and his team aim to infiltrate this one as well. Running a theme here. Basically, all that is gained here is that MacGruber causes a senator to lose a million bucks, and he gets to insult Kunth a bunch in, again, super awkward and uncomfortable ways. Uh, the only uh, thing that... <laughs> I just yeah. have to say, Val Kilmer owns every scene he's in in this movie, and I wish yeah. there was more of him in it because it desperately needs he's like he's actually the good guy really i mean he's gonna do a bad thing but like mcgruber the reason he hates mcgruber which you're gonna get to it's like you're the bad guy it's completely justified yeah yeah yeah, no we have it written out already in the plot summary that like kilmer's definitely my favorite part of this movie for numerous reasons and the fact that he he bought in a hundred percent on this absolute ridiculous premises, but he fucking goes for it and he does a great job. Yeah. He I has mean, Frank Langella levels of, of scenery chewing. Agreed. It's like the perfect amount of hamming it up. He knows exactly what kind of movie he is in and he nails it. That's it. That's, that's absolutely it. When he, they show up to tell him McGruber's alive, he's painting an elderly naked woman. That's one of the best scenes it's in the like... movie, because because that is so absurd, right? And it's funny. It's funny on that absurd level. You're like, okay, that's what a weird a weird billionaire bad guy would be doing. 
well, that's totally like, weird billionaire bad guy activity. And I don't, I don't hobby? have, I don't have it in the plot notes, but at the end of this whole party scene, he calls in the one henchman, like, how did, how did McGruber get in here? And he's like, oh, he just kind of walked in the front door. And he's like, okay, Frank, can you take a couple steps to the left? And then he shoots him. And he's like, does anyone else want to be honest? <laughs> and well, then he tells, like to, him, he, tells like... him, he goes, hang that up in the hallway, which is his brain splattered on a painting canvas. Yeah, which is why he had to move to the side to shoot him. Yeah, uh, yeah to sorry. center him onto Kansas. No, that's that's another great bad guy scene. Um, you, I mean, I could see that in a James Bond movie. All right, the o- the only thing of interest we do see in the scene is that Vicky does see that that same senator is taking a package when he leaves, and that comes back into play later. Uh, MacGruber gets thrown uh, out the front window, which breaks his car stereo, which is another reoccurring gag, but it's kind of pointless. Uh, He moves back to go to talk to Powers Booth, and Booth throws him off the case because he realizes that MacGruber is inept. Again, we get the second of the weird sex-related begging scenes, and I would like to take another moment, even though we've done it, to mention that this movie is all dick and fart jokes, and I am sorry. We should have done Coneheads. Over beers, we learn about MacGruber and Kump's paths. So this is what we were just talking about. No, No surprise here, MacGruber is a huge asshole. And frankly, Kunt has a solid reason to try to kill him. Anyone want to weigh in on that? I just, so the conceit here is that MacGruber has stolen. Okay, hold on. Two two seconds. All right, go ahead. Wait, wait, hang on. Hang on. I'm going to get on that too. So the conceit here is that both Von Kunt, MacGruber, and Casey were all friends in college. Von Kunth was going to marry Casey, but MacGruber stole her away. And it's a total bag of shit. And then, like, so that that's bad. You're like, okay, yeah, they're, they're painting MacGruber as a bad guy. And then they drop, but she was pregnant with Von Kunth's child, so obviously I made her have an abortion. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> On the cringe factor for me, this is a 10 or even more. I mean, Mary Cheese, you're right in terms of cringiness. Like, this is again an unexpected, dark, hard, like left turn. Like, I was was anticipating like a Dr. Doom, Reed Richards type college mishap kind of thing. And then it's like, no, he killed his unborn child. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I I wasn't ready for that because I hadn't seen the movie before. First time here. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know, gross for the humor. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's that's sort of weird and dark and sad. Not not weird and funny. Yeah. I mean, it's it is it it is one of the more tough to process scenes because you hear it all and you're like, I mean, even Ryan Felipe says it and you're like, what? That's fucked up. I so this is where it clicked for me, though, like usually in a in a film like this where you've got an idiot protagonist at some point oh but they've got a good heart or you know actually they're fucking terrible at a lot of things but they're really good at this one <laughs> thing that's not this not this movie and that's not like this is where it clicks for me and it went oh he's a hate sink you're supposed to hate this guy yeah this would be it's kind of like if you were watching finding nemo and then you found out that Dory had actually murdered her family, but just doesn't remember it. Yeah. And 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 then you're like, oh God, this is horrible. It's like, what why? Why? Why did you go that direction? Yeah, it's a totally like, normal parallel. All right. Yeah, but so- I mean, at this point though, this is where the movie <laughs> shot the moon for me. 
<laughs> on the cringiness and came, and came back to funny where I'm like, oh, I kind of get it now. So, he's so this the is the worst. point where you should have restarted the movie and then realized that he's a bag of shit the entire time. Yeah. But then you I would kept... have to you would have to subject yourself to roughly two and a half hours of dick and fart jokes and, and instead I'm of one and a half. That. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I kept waiting for like the the crude Jack Black led like yeah he's crass but really his heart's in the right place. Turn no, that no, is not, not coming for this character. That is not no. this movie. Uh, so cunts henchmen show up and try to kill the entire gang uh, <laughs> right after telling maybe the worst story ever. As they start shooting, MacGruber uses Piper as a human shield. Another shitbag move. Uh, because Vest or not, Piper is not surviving that sort of gunfire. Uh, the gang gets away, and Piper realizes that MacGruber is a bag of shit, so he leaves the team. Understandably. Uh, MacGruber and Vicky shack up, and we get back-to-back downright creepy sex scenes. One with Vicky, St. Elmo, and one with Maya Rudolph's ghost. Uh, the less said about these, the better. We should just move move on. I don't know. I I feel like whenever we do the trivia, we have to make the sound Will Forte makes as he's climaxing. You don't trust trust me. Me and my me and my me and my roommate who was gonna be on the pod tonight used to do this as a running joke, and you're not gonna you're not gonna want to recreate that noise. Oh, I want to hear it. Somebody do it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean you you've done it so much, Mayor McCheese. What's your version of it? I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot. (laughs) Yeah, that noise. It's just it's so (laughs) gross. (laughs) I I will definitely throw (laughs) (laughs) I do like I do like Maya Rudolph's play off of him where she's like ha ha no, yeah, I, I, I actually love that, wow. that Maya wow. Rudolph has wow. 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 <laughs> Like, that 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 was another one of, like, that's of the six jokes where I was okay, like, no. okay, that's actually pretty funny. Right, no, I'll it change it. During, during trivia, you guys can chime in with, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to shoot two. Um, no, no, okay, yeah. so. Uh, we're not going to go into these. We're not going to go into skeet, these. Skeet, 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 skeet. You can't should, say that on the radio. Should have done we're not, heads. Oh god. We're not. Yes. We're not going to go into these scenes any more than other than I have two pieces of uh, trivia that aren't in the quiz. And one, uh, apparently, in Vicky's sex scene, the reason she's moving her head from side to side so much is because Will Forte is sweating on her so badly, <laughs> just pouring <laughs> sweat down on her face. And two, uh, these scenes combined convinced Jorma that they would end up getting an NC-17 rating, which, it's, I, I mean, so, they're, they're not, not a lot of Will Forte's enough. butt moving, and they directly reference Will Forte climaxing, which is hilarious because the women very obviously do not. Oh, God, it's... It, it's yeah. uncomfortable at best. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. So listeners, I think it's worth pointing out that the, the gag here is that it cuts between your standard Hollywood sex scene, which is in Will Forte's head, and then what he's actually doing. So you get this weird uh, mishmash, especially with the Maya Rudolph scene, you know, because uh, you get scenes with him with her and then you just get scenes of him standing naked in a cemetery humping a, gra- a tombstone. <laughs> Humping a gravestone, yeah. Yeah, or like air humping. Or air, yeah. So there's, you know, it's it start in the, with the Kristen wig. There's some of the stuff that's like shot in soft focus. I'm so excited to be responsible for the pod that gets us banned from Apple. 
it's an interesting it's an interesting joke but okay it funny. all right it's funny. let's go let's keep going keep all right going. moving on moving on leaving the graveyard sex scene we move on to the finale of my favorite gag mcgruber reconnects with the kfbr 392 car and vandalizes slash burns it uh in doing so because he's on the cell phone with the colonel uh, mcgruber realizes where kunth plans to use the nuclear warhead which is at the state of the union Right after the phone call, the colonel gets shot by the crooked senator from the party earlier in the movie who was trying to distract for Kunth, and Vicky gets kidnapped. They don't kind of explain it, but MacGruber finds her house ransacked. MacGruber goes back, the phone rings, he traces Kunth's location, and then he goes and tracks down Piper for one last go of revenge. Uh, this is where we learn one of the better running gags of the skit that MacGruber likes to rip throats. That's the only thing he actually does to kill people, other than his dipshit inventions uh cue another warehouse scene because that go ahead he does rip throats incredibly well which uh, that what is that from what's the throat rip is that steven seagal i thought it was van damme might have been van damme dude come on patrick swayze roadhouse oh Oh, shit we're all dumb yeah, and they explicitly reference several movies in this movie, and not even the throat ripping. You do also get a uh, a scene where he has Kristen Wiig, Will Forte, that is, MacGruber, has Kristen Wiig pull a bullet out of his thigh, and it's straight up Roadhouse. Oh, yes, that's right. And again, this this is another scene where, like, it's supposed to hurt, and MacGruber's character just, it's as though nothing happens to him. You're like... So is he a complete jackass, or is he somewhat competent that he doesn't experience pain? Like, what's happening here? It's a roadhouse joke. He deserves the pain. <laughs> oh, deep. That's what he says. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Cue another warehouse scene, because that's what we always do. MacGruber and Piper infiltrate and make it to the control room, which, again, I don't know if you guys realize is a running gag, because every SNL skit... They were in a control room, no matter the location, where MacGruber again gives away the element of surprise by announcing to everyone that they're there and mocking Kunth. Uh, during the fighting scenes, we learn that MacGruber doesn't use guns because he's essentially afraid of them, and Piper forces him to use a gun because Piper can't carry this whole mission himself like he's done almost the rest of the movie. Piper's the only competent action star on MacGruber's side. <laughs> Kunt has a bunch of decent mercenaries. MacGruber has Piper. I will say this is another of the six jokes that I thought was hilarious, where MacGruber finally agrees to use a gun and does to some effect. And he's like, holy shit, that's great. Yeah. Why do I always do that? Yeah. Now he realizes that, like, making stupid bombs out of tennis balls. And he's like, why haven't I been doing this forever? This is awesome. <laughs> Is is pretty hilarious. He pulls a, uh, uh, God, uh, what's her name, from True Lies, and is just firing the guns like in all manner. Jamie of Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah, Jamie, yeah, Lee, Jamie Curtis. Lee Curtis. She drops yeah, it. He does. All... Well, he does eventually, but he throws it. Yeah, yeah he's shooting. He's shooting them all wild arm, and he keeps thinking he's hitting people, but mostly he's just buying time for Piper to really shoot people. Yeah. Uh, so. They find Vicky, but in doing so, they get captured. And this leads to my va- favorite Val Kilmer scene where he cuts off MacGruber's hair and then mocks him. 
Ooh, let's go pound some gum. It is, it is so incredible. He was having so much fun. I could just tell. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. After reading the background trivia, how they became like best friends, you know they just hammed it up this scene with Kilmer just dancing around with the fake MacGruber hair, just mocking him incessantly. Uh, but unfortunately for Kilmer, MacGruber breaks free. They kill everyone except for Kunth, who they handcuff to a piece of machinery. And MacGruber can't defuse the missile because he's not very good at much of what he's supposed to be doing. But he does manage somehow to remove the nuclear warhead and the targeting system, rendering the missile into a giant bomb. The, the crew, MacGruber, Vicky St. Emil, and Piper escape as the bomb goes off. And we presume that Kunth is killed, even though he does see an axe near his handcuffed wrist. Foreshadowing anyone? We've all we've all seen the scene where you're it's on fire, you're handcuffed to the radiator, you got a sharp element, you don't got time for the handcuff, but maybe you got time for that hand. Do you yeah. want to play a game? Well, yeah, that is kind of solly. Uh, anyways, so the movie ends with MacGruber and Vicky's wedding. Kunth shows back up and attempts to kill them, but his rocket only manages to blow up the Reverend somehow. Uh, we learn that the explosive blew off Kunth's junk, thus thwarting MacGruber's ultimate revenge, which is, which as a reminder, is cutting Kunth's dick off and shoving it down his throat. And this I, was I, mentioned, hold on, this was mentioned about 20 times prior to the scene, but I didn't want to inundate our listeners, cough, cough, our moms, with this gag, pun intended. Go ahead. I just, MacGruber talks like an action star from the late 80s early 90s unironically like everyone else notices that's how he's talking that he talks in in catchphrases and they're like what you keep saying the same thing so there's this whole buildup of i'm gonna cut your dick off and shove it in your mouth only to get to a point where val kilmer has no dick this man has no dick Anyways, so Matt kills Kuntz, then blows him off a cliff, shoots him a bunch, pees on his body, and in the mini-ending scene, we see that he takes a dump in his body bag, because this is that kind of movie. Uh, end of the story. Uh, sorry, that plot review might have taken longer than necessary for a straight dick and fart joke movie, and I will again apologize that we did not do Coneheads. Anyone else? Uh, there is a post credit scene where MacGruber plays the saxophone. That's because he's yeah. a sexy 80 sax man. I mean, I figured that was more on the plus side. I don't think we need to bring it up. He's a sax man. Ugh. All right, let's do our ratings quickly before we go into a break. As a reminder, this is on a scale of one to six beers, and they can either be pain beers or enjoyment beers. And I want to start with Captain Cash, knowing that you are the big dissenter of this movie. You know, honestly, by yourself, with no context for this this is pain beers and it's probably four but with a group of people knowing what this is knowing how i guess ugly and gross this wants to go three enjoyment beers but like this is a movie where you can't in this isn't a movie you can enjoy by yourself this this has to be a thing well, where you I, need I, someone else to look at and go holy shit <laughs> I, I think it's more enjoyed in a group of friends like most of the movies that i recommend but i also think you need to know you need to have a background i, I mean 
even if it's just like, oh, this is a raunchy, uh, lonely island gang SNL skit, you're not going to go into the theater and see this thing being like, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a great movie. Like it, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. if you don't know that going in, you're like you said, you're going to be in a four pain beer scenario. Thunderous Wizard, what do you got? There's no pain beers to be had here. This movie is very funny. I love that it's wildly stupid. It's three enjoyment beers because it's only an hour, hour and a half long. But what I wouldn't give to see Val Kilmer get to have this much fun all the time. Yeah, and I mean, maybe maybe we talk about it now because it doesn't factor into the, the rest of the pod. But one of the trivia things is Val Kilmer and Will Forte became close friends and they actually talked about um, running on, what was that TV show, Thunderous Wizard? The Amazing Race. Yeah, they, they talked about going on the Amazing Race as a team, which if that would have happened, I would have watched that fucking show weekly. Uh, Jumpzilla, what are you coming in at? Yeah, this is easily a three-beer enjoyment beer movie for me. It's short. It's a comedy. It's mostly funny. And Val Kilmer is great in it. He steals every scene he's in. Yeah, I mean, I, I put it at a three-enjoyment beer, but I will also give a nod to Captain Cash. If, you, if this isn't your cup of tea you're going to be in the four pain beer area because it, I mean, these jokes are very cringy and some of them, even while enjoying it, some of them are cringy to me. Like the, the whole explanation of him and cunts history that, I mean, that's tough to swallow no matter who you are. Um, so before we get to our impressions, questions, thoughts, etc., let's take a break so we can all go and refresh our drinks, 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 Welcome back to our 92nd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. As a reminder, we are covering 2010's MacGruber! So, here are our general impressions. What camp did you fall into? Do you like cheesy sophomore humor and dick and fart jokes, or do you think this is a waste of a perfectly good evening? I'm going to start, obviously, with Captain Cash, the dissenter. Listen, I individually... No, I didn't. I didn't like to sit here and watch this film. It made me feel very uncomfortable most of the time. Understandably. If I was three beers deep, hanging out with a bunch of my buddies on a couch, yeah, this might have been a lot funnier. So what you're saying is college Captain Cash would have loved this movie on Wednesday Terrible Movie Night, but adult Captain Cash is a little little grown up for it. I... I think that's fair. I mean, even adult Captain Cash, if I got to sit around with some other people and we got to point at how fucking insane this thing is a couple times with a few beers in me, would have had a better impression. I agree with that. Anyone else? T-dubs? Uh, yeah, this is this actually is the perfect college movie. We would have been quoting this uh, perpetually, like daily, just quoting this film. It is quotable. It is really stupid i saw it in theaters when it came out 10 years ago which i i'm actually shocked i mean i did not see it in theaters me and uh, my roommate who was going to be on the pod tonight and he's not uh, i mean we it's not like we watched it annually but we watched it enough where we would reference the stupid um like kfbr 392 jokes and that kind of shit yeah it's it's great i i, I love it still it does get really uncomfortable at times but it does so like 
on purpose because it knows what it's doing at all times. It's never really, the car's out of control, but that's because they can't drive. Uh, but yeah, there's some scenes like uh, my wife and I were watching it tonight and I was just looking at her. I'm like, oh boy, when this sex scene comes up with Kristen Wiig, you are not going <laughs> to like this. I'm going to shit. Yeah. I'm going to shit. Jumpzilla, what did you think? I'm going to shoot too. Listen, um, it, it doesn't sound like that. It, there's no level of baritone in it at all. It's as uncomfortable and gross as possible. I, I actually yep. think they had David Spade show up to cut the dialogue for that. I would believe it. No, I enjoyed this movie. Um, it was better than it had any right to be as a movie. Like, I was skeptical going into it, having not seen it before. But being familiar with the skits, and I'm hopefully not wrecking anything, but let's also mention this movie basically got greenlit because there was a MacGruber Pepsi commercial aired during the Super Bowl around, uh, I don't know, 20, 2008, something like that. Mm. Uh, I forget what year, but, you know, obviously before it came out. And Hold on. The, TV, TV timeout, Thunderous Wizard. You are Sir Captain, my Captain. Do you think you can find that commercial? Oh yeah, you can definitely find that commercial. Uh, put that, put that on whatever socials we need to put that on. Yeah. So I mean, this movie got greenlit because the Pepsi commercial was popular, and uh, so when I saw this movie advertised, I was like, "How the hell are they going to make a MacGruber movie? Those things are like, those are like thirty second clips. There's like, there's nothing to it." But I give them credit. They fleshed it out, and uh, they gave it a backstory. And Val Kilmer's great. And, yeah, I think Captain Cash nailed it. This is a – I'm already three beers in. I'm sitting on a couch at a party. This pops up on TV. And, huh, yeah, I can laugh along with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of falls into – I mean, when we were in college, Super Troopers was it, – it's not as crass as this, but it's the kind of same, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're at a party. You know, someone throws a movie on, or you're in a – you're in someone's dorm room and you got a case of beer and someone throws a movie on. This is kind of the same vein. This is just a little more vulgar. Um, Absolutely. This is the next question is a little bit of an oddly tough one. Do you think it deserved a flop? I think that's a fairly easy question. I would say yes, because I don't think this is a major audience sort of movie. But overall, going straight to theater, do you think this deserves the flop? Well, so it. It was made for ten million dollars in twenty ten. That that's so little money. That's peanuts. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, and and it made nothing. I mean, it didn't even make that back. And 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 it looks it looks good. It looks very good. It's got Val Kilmer. It's got Will Forte, who is very funny. It's got Kristen Wiig, who at this point, Powers at, Booth. Uh, well, Powers Booth, sure, but I, I don't I don't consider him a box office draw necessarily. It's more like bite he's, he's your adding... tongue. Powers Booth can draw I love that. anything. I do love Powers Booth. He's in it, Sin City. It, he's in a shitload of things. Also, I love him in Deadwood too. That's his, not the point. His second time on the pod. Sudden no, death. On. Let, let Captain Caps finish. Let's let him my, finish. My point is, there are a bunch of of strong character actors. Uh, Ryan Philippe too, uh, that are all part of this. But at the end of the day, uh, for for that little money to get all those people for a movie that is shot this well, yeah, this should have done better. But but the problem is, they opted to riff on a thing that went from 1985 to basically 1982. 
They were 10 years too. This came out in 2000. This movie makes a shit ton of money because everybody like would make MacGyver jokes. But like this is based on fucking a hacky comic thing from 1991. Oh, and, MacGyver, he's got a, eh, and he turns it into a, yeah, but he's I didn't a think of dude. That. I actually didn't think of that generational gap, because I really like this movie, and I've never seen one episode of MacGyver. Shame on you. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think you're circling it, Captain Cash. That, that's a valid point, that MacGyver's really not relevant. But it, it also co- came from a Saturday Night Live skit, and the commercial, the Pepsi commercial, is just big, dumb, loud, and stupid. And this was like, oh, you're going to let us do whatever we want? Oh, this is going to be hard R. This movie didn't need to be hard R. It could have just been a really stupid movie with a lot of, you know, funny gags. But I, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it has. I mean, it, it, it still has a out of box office presence. People still watch it. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to get the rewatches if it doesn't go hard R. That might be true. Well, too. so, but it, that's why I'm not surprised it flopped because. This is a high. This is like a movie for sixteen to twenty year olds, and yeah. you, you know, your entire high school audience is not getting into this thing. So, yeah, I'm going to take a hybrid approach here. Old Uncle Chumpzilla does agree that it's probably a little too late to really catch the uh, MacGyver zeitgeist, so that doesn't really help it from a marketing perspective. But at the same time, for only ten million bucks. Like this movie is funny enough that, and even being a hard R, I would have thought it would have made like 25 million bucks. And I don't think they marketed this super heavily. So that might've been all it took to get a return on this. Mm. You know, it's, it was never going to be like a $50 million movie. It's just not that, it's just not that, it's not that good or funny. So, I'm just saying it didn't deserve to flop. I think this, this movie didn't get a fair shake in theaters. I think being a hard R probably hurt it. At the end of the day, that's probably the problem. Because if it had been PG-13 and they had toned it down some and dropped all the cursing, which really doesn't add much to the humor, frankly, uh, you know, I think this could have been like an Adam Sandler movie. You know? So, and that kind of leads me into my next follow-up question. Like, do you think this would have done much better if it went straight to streaming in like a nowadays format? 100%. Well, so, yes. Uh, you know what? Maybe. Because, I mean, part of that question was straight to DVD, but I don't think this does well in DVD because you're in 2010. You're kind of phasing out of DVDs. You're phasing into a lot more people giving shit about streaming. So, like, if this was made, let's say, let's say 2010 had a straight, like, HBO Max, does this do better with a Netflix HBO Max kind of rollout? I believe it's on Peacock. So, it's definitely crushing <laughs> some cunt over on Peacock. <laughs> It's crushing cunt on Peacock. Pounding the cunt. No, I think you're right, McCheese. I think if this goes straight to streaming, then that R rating, it doesn't matter anymore. So here's my thought on this. I I don't... I think if they had forced them to go, look, no, you can't do all of these just vulgar things to push it to an R. You've got to invent some funnier shit. It would have worked better. Like, if you'd have made Will Forte, if you'd have made everybody else work just a little bit harder on that script. But the, I mean, the only downside of that is if you look at the original SNL material, like, you almost have to have this movie. 
because that's the that's what they were going for a certain thing and they had to stop it at SNL because of their restrictions. And once those restrictions were off for the movie, they could go all the way. Like Will Forte and Jorma wrote this thing for, I think, 10 years before they made the movie. And clearly they had a different vision in mind, which was more vulgar and ridiculous, like just sending the dick and fart jokes to the moon. And once they were like, yeah, we're going to let you make a movie. They were like, yeah, we're going to fucking go for it. So I, I agree. And I understand how that happened. And it's worth providing context from the SNL skits, which is basically anytime things are about to push into an R rated or a really uncomfortable thing in the MacGruber skits on SNL, Literally, the joke is that a bomb explodes and yeah. kills everyone. They, they 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 take it to the maximum allowable lawyer point <laughs> before they're like, "Oh, we can't do that on." Yeah, air. and then rocks falls, everyone dies. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the the problem is that you've taken the point where you've created this character who is is terrible and pushes everything as far as it goes, and then dies except no, he doesn't. And then we have to do this for 90 minutes. Well, they gave him no boundaries. So they just let him go to the maximum. Yeah. And I, I think that's not where it works. I think if you had let this be, or had made this be PG 13, this could have worked better. Because... I disagree. I, I mean, I disagree. This, I, I disagree in the sense that this movie knows that it is a hundred percent what it is. And that, I mean, it's not going to sell to a huge audience, but it's selling to the right audience, if you will. Which, again, e- even still, it should have made back, you know, 25 mil with a competent I, advertising. I, I, mean, I don't think it deserved a flop. There, I agree. And I mean, we'll never know what the DVD sales were because, I mean, I didn't see this in theater. I didn't even know about it until we, I mean, me and my roommate randomly picked it up on Netflix, which that'll never factor into what it made in money. Yeah, I don't even know how you calculate streaming numbers for something like this, considering when it came out, streaming wasn't nearly as huge as it is now. So, yeah, and it's tough, and you know, it, it's going to be a flop. But that kind of parlays into my next question. I mean, would you guys recommend this movie for to anyone? Would you rewatch it? Um, this is a play off of a couple of Christmas movie questions, but you know, I I will admit that I I. I accidentally stumble upon this movie like every five years and I'll rewatch it every five years, but I'm not going out of my way to watch it. But would you recommend it? And would you rewatch it? My questions. Oh yeah. Uh, there's certainly some, there's some humor in here that is off putting. Uh, but if you can look past that, there's a lot of fun to be had. Now I would recommend watching it and have somebody else watch it. So then you can make, you know, share some of the jokes uh, I own it, so <laughs> and I saw it what? in theaters. Yeah, <laughs> on what format? I I have the Blu-ray of MacGruber. No way. Yeah, I got it for like That's three. Wait, why is this? Why is this my movie when you own it? <laughs> MacGruber. I forgot I had it. And I was like, wait a minute, is that MacGruber? <laughs> I feel so. like now you. I feel like now you need to fucking FedEx me the Blu-ray. That way I can own it because. You made me do the podcast on it. I'll FedEx you uh, the uh, celery. I washed it, I promise. As long as well, you washed it, I you washed promised. it. I didn't wash it. Yeah, let's also point out now that MacGruber does eat the ass celery. <laughs> but he washed it, so it's okay. 
All right, hold on. Move on. Uh, anyone else? Take up. Uh, I listen. I, I I don't think this movie is is great, but I think if you're already familiar with the character, that helps a lot. Much like Blues Brothers 2000, that no, nothing <laughs> helps that movie. No, I'm gonna need I, to listen, take take it back about five seconds and insert something I, I, else. I, I'm not saying that Blues Brothers 2000 is good, but at least it provides the canvas for what you're expecting that I think that's the real challenge for this film is that it doesn't provide a, a, okay, this is what you're getting into at any point until about 45 minutes in. And we get the really disturbing, like MacGruber is a terrible person that is completely irredeemable, especially after like he, he, occasionally demonstrate like in the first 45 minutes he occasionally demonstrates true competence like his ability to like do a backflip and like anytime he there's an explosion you hear the wildcat roar sound exactly it's so weird like you're like half of the movie in the first 45 minutes is spending its time going this guy rocks listen listen i know he doesn't he doesn't rock but he rocks trust me my only objection to that, Captain Cash, is that if you are familiar with the character from the SNL skits, you get it that he's kind of a clown and he's insensitive, but it doesn't really go to the depths that you get in the movie. The movie takes it up like to an entire different level, which is kind of yeah. shocking. Because, like, again, I was familiar with the source material, and then I watched this movie, and I'm like, holy shit, where is this going? Like, I was expecting a straight-up spoof movie, and it is that in parts, and, and mostly it is a spoof movie, but it definitely has another layer of like some of the dark humor and and uh, how unlikable they make MacGruber, which I know the Thunderous Wizard is harped on constantly. Yeah, but he doesn't seem like an irredeemable figure in the SNL skits. He just seems kind of like a dipshit. They definitely right. bumped it up a notch. No, I would yeah, say I would Sorry, say in geez. half I would say in half of the SNL skits he is just a dipshit, and half of them he has very irredeemable traits that they, you know, like the one we just watched with uh, the round mound of rebound. Like those aren't, that's not him being a dipshit. That's him being a racist. <laughs> well, yeah, but like a, like a, yeah, but racially insensitive. He, it's played for laughs. He like, it's, it's, it's not f funny. It's yeah, whatever. He's, but hey, he's the Michael Scott of, uh, gadgetry yeah yeah it's yeah a, it kind of fits it's painfully awkward but hey I'll, I'll take a moment here to point out too that and let's see if i can get these uh, all nailed down guys feel free to chime in but this movie spoofs a ton of other movies not just macgyver we get rambo 3 um we get uh lethal weapon we get uh die hard we get uh, Roadhouse. Uh, I think that almost covers it. Am I missing anything? The Rambo one is really obvious because Powers Booth yes, is yeah. definitely Richard Crenna. The whole opening, the whole opening is, is Rambo three, right? I think I feel like it's Rambo two, like you worried he's in the Thai boxing thing, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's it, Rambo two. All right, moving on. Um, the, I mean, the questions I have, they're gonna ping pong. Do you guys have a favorite or least favorite gag? I have a, I have a bunch, but I'll go around the horn. Anyone? 
or do you want to give me some op- you want me to give you some options no um, no no i my, my favorite gag and i i mentioned it previously is a hundred percent where mcgruber finally uses guns like there's this whole, <laughs> this whole gag about how you can't see it for guns whatever and, like like he's batman except constantly he's been terrible and he uses guns like these are great. I should, why would I make fucking tiny gadgets? Well, he and even says he, it. He even says it like that. He's like, why the fuck have I been wasting my time making stupid gadgets? <laughs> and then he goes on to be terrible with guns. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Captain Cash, if you Google McGruber gifts, that's like the top like you know dozen results or so is all just the the gun the gun scene where he's waving his arms wildly as the Mary McCheese was just showing us. So, so we're that, gonna use those in text messages from here on out? From here on so. out. Yeah. All right, good. My uh my favorite gag is the the opening where he recruits Chris Jericho and then Mark Henry and then MVP and then they blow up because it comes back and Val Kimmer goes, you know, oh, I had a great team, team too. <laughs> And then I put him in a van packed full of handmade C4. And then they blew up and he's like, wait, 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 wait. That happened to you too? He's like, no dipshit. <laughs> that, that was a good game. Like, uh, Kil- Kilmer does a, a legit great job here. Hold on. It jumps ill. Do you have one or not? Because I, I just realized there's another part in this movie that I haven't brought up until now. And I want to shoehorn it in here. Uh, uh, oh, no, I, I already got to live my dream out. And I did the dramatic reading of my favorite scene. I, I love that breakdown he has with, uh, you know, with Reese Witherspoon's ex. Um, that's just so goddamn weird. It, it just that that like that made me laugh. It is weird. I, I do love at the end where Dieter von Kunt has captured McGruber and he explains to him that he's going to pin this whole thing on MacGruber, and he throws his manifesto <laughs> <Yeah>. in front of. <laughs> he throws his manifesto in front of him. Yeah. MacGruber immediately goes, "You got to believe me, Kunt. I didn't write that. I didn't write that. It's not me." And Kilmer goes, "Yeah, dipshit. I wrote it." <laughs> Everything with Val Kilmer is so great, but also yeah. um, again, Kilmer's the best. He's the best part of this movie. <laughs> One thing I want to make sure we don't forget about is his uh, radio deck, which he just carries with him everywhere. And then when he's breaking up Van Kunt's poker game, he's like, I'm going to kick you square in the face and break your jaw in four places. And then I'm going to do this, this, that, and the other. And he gets thrown out the window, and then they smash his radio. Yeah, they they smash his stupid (laughs) tape player. And the next time you see it, he's trying to wrench it out of the, the console, but it's got, like, tape all over it. Again, I, I mean, now that I'm thinking back, all of my favorite parts in this movie might resolve around Kilmer because the part where he cuts off MacGruber's hair and does the, ooh, I'm, I'm MacGruber, I'm going to pound some cuts. And then the part where he fucking does the, uh, the thing I just mentioned is, oh my God, it's my favorite. Uh, but I think we have to turn through this. Well, no, hold on, McCheese. I'll jump on the bandwagon here. We've totally ignored the fact that uh, McGruber tools around in his red Miata convertible with said tape deck, but instead of listening to like badass hard rock music, he's oh, listening nice. to like it's 1980s love song. He's listening to like ballads. It's all like yacht rock. rock. That is that is tonight. All yacht is rock. Spectacular. It's great. Listen, that we got outfield on this soundtrack. Mwah. 
yeah. It's I'm funny because the actual soundtrack is like much more like banging 80s music and then he pulls up and it's something like super soft. That's a, that's a good gag. Oh, yeah, he, and, yeah, he a good gag. Uh, I'll add, I think the reason he removes his tape deck when he exits the vehicle is to leave room for Dan Aykroyd to get under the, uh, the, 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 you know, into the undercarriage to get his face up there. Yacht Rock will not now or ever be part of my repertoire. Alright. Before <laughs> I, I, I had a couple more questions, but I feel like they're unnecessary. Does anyone have anything else to mention before I start trivia? No, 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 no. All right. Drink it up. Uh, Cheers. These are going to be pretty quick questions since we already gone through half of them. So trivia challenge, standard format. There are, I had six questions. We'll see if we have to thin them down. And there's some bonus questions to ring in. It was going to be KF, KFBR392 or pound some cunt, but you can also do wah, 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 wah. Wow. 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 I'm going to shoot. Oh, yeah. You can also <laughs> no, do I'm going to shoot. We should have done conads. Yeah, trust me. It's at the end of this. Oh, All right. Wait. Can I Can I simply say I'm going to shoot or do I have to do I'm going to shoot? No, you have <laughs> to do You have to do it. Do you that. have to do it. You Just to... tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> you guys got some, uh, some uh. whiteout or some copy toner? God, my, my skin crawls just hearing us do it. Ugh. God. Before we start this. I, I feel like I do that really well. No, you do a great job. Thank you. Great All job. Right. McGruber family question number one. On SNL, it was revealed that McGruber's father is who? A, Tom Hanks. B, Jean-Claude Van Damme. C, Sylvester Stallone. Or D, Richard Dean Anderson. I'm going to shoot. Yeah. That's Captain Cash. Uh, the, the answer is... Technically, Richard Dean Anderson, but for the character, it's MacGyver. It, he is the character MacGyver. So here's a follow-up question. It, it's not bonus questions, but if that's his father, what is MacGruber's full name? Oh, I mean, it's MacGruber MacGyver. Correct. The perfect name. The perfect uh, name. And as you'll see, listener, when I post the Pepsi commercial... Richard Dean Anderson is in one of the Pepsi commercials, of which there are several. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> MacGruber family question number two. <clears throat> Who starred as MacGruber's grandmother? And I'm not going to lie to you. You guys are going to know all these. A, Estelle Getty. B, Betty White. C, B, Arthur. Or D, Rue McClanahan. I'm going to shoot. Oh, I'm going to give that to Chumpzilla. It is the greatest golden girl. <clears throat> Estelle Getty. Betty White. Betty White. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The, yeah. the greatest golden girl is Estelle Getty. It is Betty White. Not in my heart. Unfortunately, Estelle Getty was uh, no longer with us by the time this skit was popularized. So, you know, that's right. fine. That that doesn't change the fact that the greatest golden girl was Estelle Getty. Picture it. Getty, 1985. Oh, and we got 20 yeah. seconds till the bomb explodes. Imagine we could have had her in this movie as the naked femme that Val Kilmer was painting. That would have been so much better. Oh, right. my God. Pull it together, folks. Pull it together. Uh... Family question number three. I have three of these. We oh mentioned God. at the beginning of the pod that there are numerous wrestlers in this film. Which one of these starred as MacGruber's brother on SNL? A, Paul Wright, The Big Show. 
B, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, C, um, the Great Collie, or D, Chris Jericho? KFBR392. Thunderous Wizard. I feel like it's Jericho. Wrong. Oh. That's the obvious answer. Wow. He's the best actor. Wait, okay, what are my remaining Just tell me who I have to fuck. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Jumpzilla. I think it's Kane. Wrong. Damn. It's I know who it is now. Who are my two options? All right, Captain Cash, your two remaining answers are either the big show or the great Kali. Uh I'm gonna go given the way he scratches out the big show's name, I'm gonna go the great Kali. Correct. It is the great Kali. He is his his brother on the SNL. With zero context. Woo! I feel like that was a Google answer. I'm not going to lie. I did try to do it, but I couldn't do it fast enough. True story. The great Kali, not only in the Longest Yard remake, he was a one-time Mr. uh, Or not one-time. I don't know how many times. But he was a former Mr. India. Oh, yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah, That's enormous. He's a huge human being. Yes. So right, so right now we're one to one to one. All right. The next question is is on reoccurring pod stars. This is another cameo. There, there is another cameo in this movie that overlaps some of the other movies we have done in the past. Who was in this movie for a brief moment? A. Dan Aykroyd. B. Pierce Brosnan. C. Amari Stoudemire. Or D. Mark Messier. K. F. B. R. Three nine two. Yes, Thunderous Wizard? I'm just going to go with Brosnan because I want to. <laughs> Wrong. Not Brosnan. Listen, Sorry. They already I, had I, one. I would oh, also right. like it to be Brosnan. There was already one puppy. What, what do you want me to fuck? Alright. <laughs> Chumpzilla. I'm going to go with the weirdest one possible. I'm going to go with... I know it's not Messier. I'm going to go with Stoudemire. It is Amari Stoudemire. He is how? Where? He he's in this movie for a brief moment. <laughs> Where? Go search him out. He's there. He has a he has an actual acting credit for this movie. What? Oh what? Does he? Is he yep. the celery stick? I don't think he's. No, no, he's too tall for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall seeing him. Yeah. You're going to have to go back and rewatch get... this entire fucking Damn movie it. then. I guess so. This is insane. Go to yeah. IMDb and type in Amari Stoudemire. Tell me. See, I assume Dan Aykroyd would have been like an extra or something weird in it, but. Nah. All right. Next question. Wow. This is, this is MacGyver trivia, not MacGruber trivia. How long was the original MacGyver on the air for? Was it A, five years, B, seven years, C, nine years, or D, 11 years? KFBR three nine two, thunderous wizard five years, wrong. Son I'm gonna shoot. God damn it! <laughs> I think it's, nine, it's C nine years. Wrong. Damn. All right, what does that leave me with? Uh, with uh, I think you're at either seven years or eleven years. Wow! 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 Wow. 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 I think they're Owen two. Wilson. Seven. Wow. Correct. Can you 85 yeah. 92, motherfucker. Can you, yeah. can you name for a bonus point the original year it aired? 85. Okay. Oh, Captain Cash just took a huge lead. Huge God, lead. Damn. Damn. So right now we have Captain Cash at three, Trumpzilla at two, and 
Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. I, I think I'm at four. There's only one question left. Throat rips. What is the final throat rip tally for this movie? A, three, the turkey. B, four, C, five, D, six. KFBR, three, nine, two, five. T-dubs, it is five. Well played, sir. He does the back flip into the double throat rip. It's true. That does not stop stop from uh, Captain Cash from winning this trivia challenge. I'll accept my... Good news. uh, What do you call it? You get the MacGruber for the ray. Oh, no. Yeah, and uh, Senator Ted Cruz will be filing paperwork to challenge your win here shortly, so your victory will be short-lived. Fuck that guy. All right, let's round this thing out, because why not? Um, Recommendations, Captain Cash, what you got this month? Okay, Will Forte is at the front of maybe one of my favorite shows that only went one season, Clone High. Uh I, I don't know how to describe this to you other than to sing you the fucking theme song, which is way, way back in the 1980s, secret government employees uh, made amusing genetic copies of famous people, dudes and ladies. And holy shit, Will Forte plays Abraham Lincoln as a high school student with JFK, Gandhi, Joan of Arc, Cleopatra. It is hilarious. It came out in, I think, 2001 or 2. Um, it was ultimately canceled because it was considered somewhat uh, uncomfortable for the people of India to see Gandhi portrayed in that fashion, which fair, but it, it's still very, very funny. TW, what do you got for us? Well, as we've discussed at length on this pod, Val Kilmer's comedic timing is exceptional in this movie. He's and the fucking man! Thus, I am recommending 1985's Real Genius, which is one of Val Kilmer's very early movies. We'll actually be doing another comedy starring Val Kilmer in the weeks to come, which is also great, but Real Genius is awesome. Uh, William Atherton from Ghostbusters. It's true, this man has no dick is also in it. Uh, I think you'll get... It's a great piece of 80s uh, throwback. Really awesome movie. Kids at like a super smart tech high school that are being used to make weapons for the government. Anyways, it's awesome. You'll love it. And it's... Part of the reason Val Kilmer went on to become a huge thing because he just has so much fucking charisma in that movie. It's unbelievable. Jumpzilla? I just want to say Kilmer is excellent in that volleyball movie. Just outstanding. Uh, my recommendation, because we are in the year 2021, I think it's Unfo- on Netflix. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. But I think it I is mean, stri- we could be improving. It, it's a year. Um, and on Amazon Prime right now, you can stream the first season of C-Lab 2021. So if you nice. enjoy McGruber and you like the humor you got here, You'll probably also enjoy C-Lab. I actually own the first two seasons on DVD because I'm a dork. Uh, But I love watching that show in college, and I've been watching some of the episodes again lately, and uh, they're still funny. And the humor is is just as absurd as ever. So if you need something to laugh at in these dark times, check it out. I can fully support C-Lab underneath the sea 
for this week's pod. Uh, my recommendation is, as we've now gone through this, I'm going to recommend Coneheads, which in retrospect was the pod I kind of wish we would have done instead of this. It's a little less dick and fart jokes and a lot more Chris Farley. Uh, and yeah, go watch Coneheads. It's not a bad movie. I like it a lot. We come from France. <laughs> we are from France. You, you remember when Dan Aykroyd kind of seemed like a legit actor? Because I do. Everyone was funny. Wait, are you talking about that sitcom he did on ABC, Soul Man? Where he... <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Big man, big oh, music. Stop. stop. That's Come my. I, I take it back. My recommendation is uh, your mom's CD collection. <laughs> big cheese. <laughs> big man, big music. Big man, big music. All right. Thanks again for joining us on the 92nd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Uh, thanks to Masshead Brewing Co. for the beer tonight. And thank you all for being a listener. Next week, we will be doing the awkward. Hold on. We're doing the awkward SNL adaptation of Stuart Saves His Family, correct? Yep. Gosh darn it. People hate this movie. (laughs) Gosh darn it. People's going to hate this pod. There's not enough beer. As always, you can find the pod on most social media at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find uh, me on Twitter at HBOF McCheese. You can find the Thunderous Wizard at WriterTLK on whatever social media he's on. You can find Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. And you can find Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla8. We remind everyone to stay safe out there and hit us up if you have a recommendation of any movie that we should do. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, KFBR392, KFBR392, KFBR392. Let's go pound some cunts.